0: To the Bully Pew Podcast brought to you by protestia.com where you can go to see all of the latest in Christian polemics and discernment news and insightful commentary and stuff to get you riled up but hopefully also hopeful and more focused and committed to the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ and motivate you to um move ever uh, so slightly towards um, more complete obedience and towards the the character of jesus in your sanctification hopefully we can be a small part of that in some sort of way uh, to in in terms of blessing you in your walk in blessing your service and ministry to your local body of believers. Which, of course, I say on our other podcast, or other video program, Protestia Tonight, that this program and the Bully Pew podcast would fit in this category is not intended for those who are not loving, giving, serving faithful members of local New Testament congregations. I know that for a fair number of us, probably a lot of us, probably, probably you, if you are interested in polemics and discernment, and you're interested in staying apprised of what is going on out in the broader Christian conversation and its intersection with the society around us and our country and your local community. If you're interested in those things, if those things matter to you, um, if stuff that we would talk about or we would discuss makes a difference, and it, it inevitably it makes a difference, but of course some people have a much greater um, tolerance or interest for those things than others. And, but if, if, that, if that describes you, um, there's a good chance that you uh, may find it difficult sometimes within your local um, church to, to feel like you fit in. This is really, for me, really come into focus the last, oh, I don't know, year or so with, uh, my church that I, you know, that I care about, I'm committed to, um, serving within and sojourning with this body of believers. And yet there is, there is a sense that, um, that, that I don't quite fit in. I know that it may surprise some of you. Of course, I, I, I suspect a good number of you probably have experienced similar, um, a similar sense of really just like not belonging, you know, when you're, you're talking to folks at your church, fellow believers, people you go to church with about the, you know, the latest um, doctrinal squabble or subject matter, or even just doctrine itself. And you see their eyes glaze over, like they have no idea what you're talking about this, you know, and, and it's one thing when you talk with them about something that you've been made aware of and, and some sort of Personality, or pastor or influencer that's out um, on the internet or something like that and they don't know. I mean, that makes sense. Everybody's only got a certain amount of time that they can pay attention to any one thing and it's not necessarily of interest to every believer out there what Russell Moore is saying or, or whatever, whatever the issue is. You know, whoever, whoever the character is that is um, um, doing something that is worthy of uh, being paid attention to for, for, for good or bad, it makes sense. They may not know about that. Um, but it's another thing when you start talking about, um, you know, I don't know, the, the the nature of salvation, the order of salvation. Um, even like eschatology might be a little far for just your sort of off the cuff chit chat at church. But even, you know, I, I find myself sometimes th- saying things to fellow believers and... It seriously is like they have no idea what i'm talking about and it it really reinforces to me how much work there is left to be done how much modern you know or or, you know present day evangelical culture church culture church methodology has done to stunt the the spiritual development of a lot of professing believers it is, it's crazy to me to know or to suspect how many, probably, you know, actual regenerate believers are members of churches... Um, right now. And and they're committed. They're faithful. They're, they're, they're at church every Sunday in obedience to the Lord. They, they're, they're volunteering their time for other things and, and missions and helps ministries. And, um, you know, they do Bible study and, and fellowship. And they're really, they're, they're in the lives of their fellow believers in a, in a real and important and faithful way. And yet at the same time, uh, they remain, um, very susceptible very susceptible to a lot of the the more pernicious and sneaky and sound good false doctrines out there because they, they don't seem to know anything about why they believe what they believe we find i mean you see this all the time in churches when you know somebody leaves your church you know all of a sudden it's been several sundays and you haven't seen them and you don't know why and then you find out well they're going to another church over Um, you know, wherever. And if, if, and when you find out why that happened, you find out it is very rarely because of a doctrinal concern. It's very rarely because they had very strong theological principles and the church that they were, um, at the church, they were maybe a member of, or at least attending and, and trying to be a part of. Believed something different doctrinally. It's usually a personal thing. It's usually that person tweaked me the wrong way, or, you know, this relationship didn't, didn't remain, or I didn't feel like I was treated the right way by so-and-so. Um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's still, you, you know, I'm not getting what I want from this church. The, the, this church is, um, Spread of spiritual products. What they offer is just not for me anymore. And I see another church over here where their their unique combination of spiritual products is more to my liking. Of course, that still happens. You know, I don't. I didn't like the the way the pastor preached. I, I just didn't like that the preaching or the, the music was not exactly what I wanted. And I went over to the church down the street, and their music was more exciting or, or more to my liking. And so that I'm going to choose where I go to church based off of that. Um, yeah, that that's still very much a prevalent um, a prevalent thing, but it's it's like like doctrine or um, you know what what that church may believe or or the the theology behind why they do what they do is it's usually way down the list of the reasons that people would choose to be at one church versus another, and and because we we sort of exist in this. Um, market-driven um, consumer consumerist kind of Christian culture right now. If you are a person who is doctrinally interested, if, if doctrine at your church is a prime concern versus just you know kind of something that they, they put on the website and it just sits there, um, you may find yourself uh, not only feeling out of place but Um, literally being out of place you may find yourself in conversations with folks where where you realize that you're kind of on a you know i don't know working on a different frequency the the way that you um maybe look at church and christian ministry is is you you find out it's something very different to you than it is to them and that that can be a little um a little disconcerting we'll put it that way and, and, and makes it a little difficult. And when you combine that with the, the ever present, um, you know, 11th commandment of like thou shalt always be nice or always, or, or this idea that being a, being a Christian is about never having a conflict. It's about never, um, about always being happy, about always being, oh, you know, anything that, um, claims Christ or says it's Christian or whatever, um, is automatically off limits for criticism or off limits for, um, you know, to, to be disfavored in some way, as far as a preference. And you find yourself, and at least I find myself very often, um, getting a strong sense that a lot of the things around me are not they're 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 fake they're not authentic they're not real um it's it you know again it's we we've been so conditioned in american christianity to see church and faith and christian practice as um almost a therapeutic product Versus a religion. I mean, you, you'll you'll hear pastors say that kind of stuff all the time. This isn't a religion; it's a relationship. It's like okay, it's a relationship that has biblical terms. It's not just a. It's not. It's not a relationship that that you're. You know, your relationship with Jesus Christ is not a relationship where um, your preferences have anything to say. They're not part of it. Um he's God and you're not and this, there, there, there's no um, there's no parity in any way between in, in your relationship but of course you say relationship and it makes it sound like there is you know the way that we use relationship in um, in our present day conversations is very much a, a you know two equals kind of a paradigm and so when we say relationship with Jesus Christ um, it's it evokes almost a downplaying of his lordship and his bigness versus your smallness which of course is concerning but but especially when they say something like well it's 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 a relationship not a religion as if the word religion is in and of itself a pariah and it's like it's only been made a pariah because our unbelieving atheistic humanistic god-hating world has turned that word into some sort of a some sort of a negative. When really it's 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 not negative or positive. It depends what your religion is. There is true religion, a true following of the true God of the universe, and obedience to Him and belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then every other religion is false. So it, it but it bothers me when, when you see, um, church enterprises and professional pastors, and. Um, yeah, I mean, folks that that make their make their living this way, be willing to um, compromise on even the rhetoric, um, because like, like they will move as much as they possibly can before they will risk they'll ever risk asking um, congregants or the un- or the, even the unbelieving world to move instead, and that's problematic in the in. If you see it as problematic, if you understand it as problematic, if you see the whole operation, um, if you see your church um, the way that a lot of, I don't know, vision-casting professional ministers tend to see church, it can be disheartening. And I find myself, and I'm not trying to throw my own church under the bus here, even though I would argue that we, um, as a church, succumb to these tendencies from time to time as well we succumb to the um tendencies of saying that church is for us rather than uh church being primarily about worshiping god and focus that way like i would ask most churches i would i would ask pastors and and elders and any anybody with influential leadership positions in churches uh, what would you do differently in your church if there were no people there if all you were concerned about is worshiping the Lord, would you do things differently? And, and I think most churches, if they're going to be honest, would say, "Yeah." I mean, part of the reason that we do what we do, we're trying to we're trying to thread that needle or balance balance what we know the Bible says about being obedient to God with however much we can offer the the people here, or even the surrounding culture, or the lost person that might come to our church. Um, we're, we're going to uh, try to balance those two concerns. And of course, inevitably, when one of those concerns becomes, as John MacArthur would say, courting the culture, uh, courting the lost the lost world, um, trying to please them as some sort of an evangelism strategy, there's no bottom to that. Because there's no bottom to human depravity. And we see that now. In, I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I saw, uh, I believe it was maybe Eric Kahn had tweeted something about um, trying to have churches hold politicians and political leaders and the, these kinds of things to, the, the, to church discipline by their churches. And I, and I said, you know, most politicians go to churches that aren't actually New Testament churches in terms of their actual practice. And he had to concede, yeah, that's probably true. So it would be impossible to hold political leaders to church discipline, even if they attend churches that, um, by their confession, should be practicing church discipline, because churches just don't do that kind of thing, really. I mean, ima- imagine, imagine your local coffee shop or your local um, electronic store or something like that trying to trying to hold its customers accountable for anything. And then then you'll, then you'll understand why modern churches don't practice church discipline. Then you'll understand why modern um, churches are constantly seeking the next big program or the next big hurrah, the next big life-changing um, event, uh, the next song that they hear on the radio that they, they're, they're going to put their own mediocre spin on as they bring it to their congregation. You wonder why these things are around um, as soon as you start looking, look at, look, at, at through the le- look at it through the lens of that church being a commercial enterprise rather than a church. And you'll understand why a lot of churches do what they do. And I don't say that, like I've said before, I don't say that with any sort of joy or or anything like that. I mean, there is some sense of joy in knowing the truth and being able to see the truth, of course. That's a gift, but it also comes as a burden because it bur- it, it, it hurts our hearts. You know, we don't, we don't want to see that. It is painful to see the bride of Christ reduced to some sort of... Um, some sort of business-like entity, and not that there's anything wrong with business, but I mean the church is a special thing. The church is instituted by God specifically for a specific purpose, um, and it's a much different purpose than why you would start a business. Um, there's there's a little bit of overlap, obviously. You know, you would start a business to take care of your family or to to provide or to do good work in, in work that's glorifying to God. Those are those are good things it's not the church the church is different and it's special and it's it just it's always saddening to see how many churches have um, decided that they're they're going to take take their cues from what is effective versus what is obedient and i say effective you can't see it because it's an audio only podcast but i'm i'm saying effective with scare quotes because it depends what we what we're to be effective doing um, it is it's it's too easy and too um, I guess attractive or it's it's too tempting to see growth um, and and our faithfulness as a church in terms of numeric growth. The assumption, because I mean we're Americans and because we're human beings, the assumption is that numeric growth means we're doing something right. Because in every other every other activity we find ourselves involved in that's pretty much the truth you know the the higher the score goes the better you did in the game the more um, profit the business earns the, the better um, structured your business is the more successful it is um, you know it's it's that that is that is a very normal um, uh, paradigm for figuring out whether something's effective or not and yet in in Scripture we we. We we hear hear Jesus talk about the wide gate versus the narrow gate or the wide path versus the narrow path. And this idea that that numeric um, success or a larger number is not only not necessarily indicative of being right, it's actually, um, when properly um, contextualized, it's indicative of being wrong. Jesus said, "What it's the, the what many will find the wide path that leads to destruction. Many and few will find the narrow path that leads to righteousness. How how are how are we to apply that when trying to understand um, something like church ministry? Does it mean that if your church is getting bigger that it's that it's automatically doing something wrong that it's that you're on the path to destruction? Well, no, no. But it does say that um, it does indicate that when we look out in the landscape, um, there." numerical success does not equal faithfulness um, faithfulness is determined by fidelity to the word of god and we hear churches talking all the time about growing the church and and planting new churches and you know our church says reproducing re, you know to reach raise and reproduce to you know to reach the lost with the gospel of jesus christ and to to raise meaning to you know to disciple and grow um, in our in our faithfulness and our in our understanding in our knowledge of God, you know, in our sanctification, and then, and then reproduce, um, meaning to to as the Great Commission would indicate, to bring the gospel, um, the the truth of Jesus Christ to um, to the outside world, to the nations, to, and, and teach them all that God has um, instructed of us, all that He's commanded us to do. Um, that that's a good thing. But it's never, it's never, um, it's not a good thing in and of itself until you firmly establish what it is that you are reproducing. Because if it's about reproducing, you know, basically franchising the business model that most churches have adopted now, that's not a good thing. Um, so many churches, so many evangelical churches are teeming with people that don't actually know Jesus Christ. You know, and, and how do I say that? Well, not only because the the concept of the wide versus narrow gate is a truism; it's it's biblically true. Um, but also, when we start to look at the fruit, um, when we, when we do what the Bible says to test um, to test things and to examine the fruit, and we see professing Christians that don't can't even explain what they believe; they don't even know. Um, why they believe what they believe. They don't know the difference between the true Jesus and a false Jesus. Um, they sit in the midst of, or they absorb, or they promote, or they value teaching and materials and, and Christian culture kind of things, you know, artifacts and, and whatnot that are very clearly opposed to the, the truth of God's word. And when questioned about it, they, they can't even... Uh, really, reason to themselves or others why um, they're being defensive. They don't. They certainly don't repent. But even their defensiveness often shows a lack of ability to, you know, parse the truth, to understand the truth. It's very clear at that point that because you know our lostness, our our lost nature, certainly when we're dead in our trespasses and sins, prior to being regenerated, prior to being saved, it's not only our I mean the Bible describes us as being blind. We can't even see the truth. We can't we can't reason our way to it. We can't see it until God opens our eyes. We really don't understand. And so when we see that kind of behavior and that kind those kind of statements and proclamations and confessions by professing believers, it is it is much more reasonable to say this person is lost than to say this person is found. And jesus himself said that many will many will say to me lord lord did we not you know do all these works and and perform miracles and and prophesy in your name and he'll say i never knew you and then he'll say get away from me you workers of lawlessness so even so jesus himself indicates that one of the ways or, or maybe the primary way to determine whether somebody is simply professing Christ and yet is lost. One of the primary ways is lawlessness. Romans 1 um, describes, Paul describes to the Roman church um, these people that practice lawlessness and also those who give approval to people who do. So this this is a primary fruit, a primary indication um, of not being regenerate, of being a false brother. And, but we, of course, at the same time, we have to be very careful about labeling things that way because you will also have instances where somebody is a true brother or sister in Christ who is, um, they're sinning or who is believing something falsely, um, that they need to repent of. All you can do is be faithfully proclaiming the truth, faithfully, um, emphasizing the, um, the, the rock of God's word when you talk to these folks and, and when you interact in things and say, and honestly, at the same time, be willing to, uh, have your heart grieved for the sin that you are, um, that you're witnessing the false teaching you're witnessing, be willing to potentially subject your relationships to not holding up You know, that's, that's something that's, and, and I've noticed this shift even among, um, you know, Orthodox evangelical churches at this point, this shift, especially in the post COVID kind of time when, um, a lot of churches have, have rightly recognized what a, what a, at least a mistake. Now, of course, we've always said that this is a sin and it is a sin to not obey and gather as the body of Christ. Um, but even churches that, that like, they're not going to repent of closing their church or anything like that. They're not going to publicly indicate that that was a sinful thing to do. Because, I mean, they're trying to maintain their reputations. They're trying to maintain their platform. They're trying not to cause, you know, controversy. I, I think it'll probably cause controversy later, but I digress. So churches that would even admit internally, hey, we shouldn't never closed, closed. Um, that really, like, damaged the fellowship. Um you know, people are, people have been, you know, the body of Christ here has been, um, hurt and, and things by us removing the, you know, the fellowship that is supposed to be part of the gathered of gathering as the saints. And so they, they've almost flipped it on its head and they're now, they're now using that as sort of a, um, kind of a marketing strategy, like, like saying, Hey, we know how lonely you were and we know how, um, sociologically, emotionally damaging it was for us to take away your fellowship, to take away all of the natural um, benefits of being um, a community. And we we know how bad that was. So hey, if you come if you come to our church, this is you'll find real fellowship, real community here. Um, this sort of goes hand in hand with with the the sort of church marketing idea that people can. Belong before they believe. You'll hear people like you know church, supposed church growth, um, church planting experts, the Ed Stetzer types, push this kind of idea. Well, you can belong before you believe. The idea that people will come to Christ once they feel like they're part of a community. This has a unique, um, a unique attraction right now because we went for so long with churches basically having cut that part of the church out you know the and, and and they were even pushing it like it was some like it was an optional thing like you can have church without actually gathering in person you can have online church you can have online communion you know which is i mean we you you, you talk about trying to have the lord's supper in any sort of biblically faithful way all by yourself at home is it's ridiculous and people knew it was and yet churches you know because the world was scared and the world was um, Wanting to run and hide, and the and the world was pushing a certain narrative. Churches who, for decades, had basically tried to dance to the tune of the world as much as possible. They just tried to. They basically tried to give the world exactly what it wanted, with you know maybe like a little Jesus thrown in there, or like a Jesus flavored version of what they already wanted. Uh, they were helpless when the when the world said, uh, "Well, we need to close down. We need to close down. We're scared." And so churches went along with it, and then realized, "Wait a minute. We we have." Um, remove e- Even at our very um, baby Christian juvenile level of what we expect from our people, we've removed one of the primary human benefits, one of the primary um, material benefits of the church, which is fellowship and friendship and, and gathering and being with other people that you enjoy and you, that you have stuff in common with. And so now they've sort of flipped it around in its head and they turned it into a marketing kind of strategy. It, it was already a marketing strategy before. Come here where you belong. Um, but now it has, a, um, I would argue, a much stronger appeal because it's been denied people for so long. Um, but to, to circle back to where I was at the beginning of this, of this podcast, um, those of you that are more discerning or, you know, or, or that you know, at least take it seriously, you know that it's important, you may find yourself not fitting in. I find myself not fitting in a lot, um, frequently and that can be difficult because when you, when you don't feel like you fit in, when you don't feel like the people and, and I I keep saying feel, um, because it definitely feels that way. But in an, in an intellectual sense, I know, I know that I don't fit in. I've seen the, the, I've heard it, you know, come out of the, I've heard it come from um, from our pastors who have basically admitted that they that that it's a concern for them. And yeah, I'm, while I might be the, one of the uh, you know I don't know the mascot for this or a prime example of this, considering um, the parachurch ministry that I that I am involved in. Um, the same thing I, I would argue applies to any believer who who really wants to dig in. To the doctrine and the theology and all that, because and you have to keep in mind these these pastors, these these professional ministers have it's it's gone from professional education for vocational ministers, seminary education and things has morphed from being heavily heavily um, focused on doctrine and teaching and theology to being, you know, I don't know, half theology and half, um, strategy and leadership skills and, 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 you know, psychologized sort of people management stuff. Um, David Wells would have said, he said in his book, um, uh, what happened to evangelical theology, I think, or it was no place for truth. I think was maybe the primary title of the book, but he basically indicated that, and this is still the case. It's probably worse now in 2023. But he indicated that so many pastors, so many professional ministers, have gone now from being ministers of the word to being managers of enterprises. And uh, it, yeah, it is—it's—it's it's so true. Managers of enterprises. It is the, the, the biblical theology that underpins, supposedly underpins, what we do here. Um, is simply one of the checkboxes, one of the components, if, if it's used at all. You know, faithful churches, it's one of, the, one of the considerations. It's not the consideration. And in Christian ministry, it's supposed to be the consideration. Everything else flows from fidelity to the Word of God. Now it's just one thing on a checklist. It's, yeah, you know, I know the Bible says this, but also there's this concern. I know the Bible says this, but, well, have you thought about what this could do over here? and it's a very enticing way to think because on, on the surface, it would seem if, if your church or your, or your, your ministry, um, loses people or it loses influence or it loses funding or it loses, you know, um, platform or whatever, because your church exists to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to, to, uh, worship God and minister to his people and whatnot, any loss of influence or whatever is by definition, a loss. Um, it, it it is hurtful to the gospel ministry, hurtful to what God wants to do. I, I mean, how much more of an appealing compromise can you possibly hear that? Well, my ministry exists. Our ministry is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, anything negative, um, that happens with our ministry is automatically negative for the propagation of the gospel. It's a very, it's a very compelling argument. The problem is that God is sovereign and he gives the growth. He giveth and he taketh away and he does not need any of us to um, see his sovereign will come to pass. He uses us at his own discretion and to his own liking and his own pleasure just because our ministry exists for the gospel doesn't mean he can't spread the gospel. doesn't mean God uh, won't save his people with or without us. He will. And th- this, I mean, obviously there is order of salvation, um, doctrines of sovereignty issues at play here, but it really is for the, for the church marketing crowd um, something that they, they refuse to really wrestle with, I think. They refuse to really ask themselves Um, you know, or, or, or fully admit, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, some will use it as a bumper sticker statement God doesn't need us. It's not about me. Like Rick Warren would say, it's not about us. It's not about me. And then he goes on to write a whole book. That's all about him. You know, this, it's, but this is something that church marketers and church growth types and things like that do not actually practice. They say it, but they don't practice it largely. They don't actually practice it. Like um, God could do this without me because if they did, and they really believed what they say they believed. They wouldn't be constantly innovating and changing and seeing how far up to the line of orthodoxy they could get before it before it trips the sensors of all of the um, doctrinally concerned, you know, discernment-focused uh, folks like myself. You know, and that's why that's that's why we don't fit in in a lot in a lot of ways. I mean, and I'm not trying to throw every church under the bus. I'm not trying to throw my own church under the bus but we need to be realistic about what we're facing here. What's actually going on in professional Christianity. And they are, they are afraid of controversy. They're afraid really of anything. And, and of course they'll call it unity, but unity must be based around the truth of God's word. If it's actual biblical unity, if it's unity, that's pleasing to God, because unity, unity around softening the message or unity around, um, you know, doctrinal, uh, Agnosticism, basically, where it's like, well, we don't really care what you what you believe as long as you're still saying Jesus, and as long as you're still showing up and you're, you know, and everything looks okay. Um, that's not real unity. That's, I mean, that's that's unity. And if if your goal is just to have a have a, a large organization and large temporal influence, but if you really want your church to have influence eternally, then you have to be willing to. Um, you have to be willing to preach that sermon that, uh, will cause people to get mad and leave. If it's a true, if it's a true word of God and if it's, if it's faithful to him, it's not going to, you're going to have times where it just doesn't please everybody. You're going to, in fact, it's going to be every Sunday, realistically. And if you're not willing to do that, um, you're in the wrong ministry and you know, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing that we can do as discerning Christians to somehow snap our fingers and fix this. But our our faithfulness to to Christ has to carry us through because honestly, it's it's really painful, really painful sometimes. It's really painful to have, uh, you know, pastors in your church. Um, like I mean, some of you know with our school thing, with our kids' uh, Christian school. Some 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 of you know kind of how that all went down. Um, the fact that I had exposed that the that one of the, the local church here that was buying the school is LGBTQ affirming, and worse yet, they say they're not. They say they support biblical marriage, and at the same time, they bat- baptize quote unquote married lesbians. So I mean, it's not only is it a church that preaches a uh, an easy believeism. Um, if what I said made sense to you, now you're, I declare you saved kind of nonsensical Rick Warren, false gospel, but they're just liars and they lie with impunity. They, they, they lie, um, and they don't even blink. So, I mean, the same pastor that jumped in the baptistry to baptize a lesbian couple into the false assurance of salvation, one of the most, one of the most hateful things I think I've ever heard a pastor describe doing. I jumped in the baptistry to baptize these professing lesbians, who and practicing lesbians, who the Bible very clearly indicates are not saved. But I don't love them enough to tell them that. Instead, I'm going to give, I'm I'm going to declare them saved based off of my my weak uh, version of um, what salvation actually is, and then baptize them myself so as to bless this unholy, um, offensive, false marriage and false practice. And, and convince these, two that they're actually saved when the Bible very clearly indicates they're going to hell. I mean, how unloving and hateful can you be? Um, but I, I basically had exposed that, hey, this is the church that's buying this school. Your kids are about to be sent to—you're about to send your kids to a, a Christian school, quote-unquote Christian school, um, presided over and owned by a church that preaches a false gospel, and they twist Scripture like, um, like, the, like they're breathing— This is their, this, this is what's happening. And in response to that, um, a, a influential family at this private school who donates a a lot of money and, uh, whose kids are known bullies around the school, apparently, um, targeted our family on, on behalf of the school and the school, uh, sided with the fam, the, the, um, family that donates a lot of money instead of the truth, um, this is what what happened we 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 told uh um pastors at our church and the response i got was well you knew this would happen didn't you what do you think was going to happen like these these guys wanted no part of it um and part of that probably is because they know hey you're i mean you're you're a protester. you have a platform you can you can fight this you don't need us um to help to help here um we you know, we want to remain friendly with all the other churches around town, and, and you know it's a it's a good old boys club in that regard, sadly. But it was just it's it was really hurtful, really disconcerting, and I and you, and you have two choices at that point. You can either make a stink about it, like why well why wouldn't you step up? Um, why why are you cowering from this? Um, I mean, this is about the gospel itself, and you can't even bring yourself to be in, to, to say anything to be involved. Um it's just, you know, dis- disheartening for sure. And then I re- and then I realize you know, everybody is on a trajectory of growth here. And while it might be it might be disheartening, might be disheartening to see professional vocational ministers lack the courage that their pew sitting church members have and leave their leave their church members uh, hanging out to dry to an extent. Um, at least in my situation, I have the ability to actually address this. And that's something, a a platform that at least for the time being, God has given me. And so, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to fight it and we're going to, we're going to proclaim it, um, the truth of God's word, no matter what it costs us. And no matter, um, who else is with us or not, whether they're a professional pastor or not. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly update. Um, as 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 things change around there but suffice it to say uh, that you know we're not going we're not going to let up on that. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of the faithful you and me and the rest of us that are willing to publicly live out our faith, publicly proclaim it no matter what anybody says. Yeah, one of these days we're all going to be as 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 my 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 uh, good friend JD Hall would always say, we're going to be swinging on the same gallows one day. You know. And god willing we will have the courage to do it he will give us the strength it won't be of our own strength of our own strength we we would we would give up immediately but by god's strength we can we can follow in the footsteps Uh, even even in our materialistic and rich spoiled coddled culture um we can still have the courage to to sacrifice um to pick up our cross Anyway, thanks for listening to the, the Bully Pew Podcast from protestia.com. Um Stay tuned to Protestia for all of your discernment and polemics news. Have a good end of your week. Go to church on Sunday and worship the Lord with the saints. Um, we will. I will certainly be doing that like I do every Sunday, and we would encourage you to do the same thing. Um, have a good rest of your week. As always, Semper Reformando.